It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. We have Shaka Hislop, Stevie Nicol and myself, Kay Murray, in the studio. We will be focusing on what went on in the Premier League today, but we must start with the biggest game of the weekend. It was Barcelona against Real Madrid in the first Clásico of the season. And what a game it turned out to be. Let's send it over to Dan and the boys with more. Thank you very much, Kay. Craig and Ali alongside me to bring you top-notch analysis as to what happened in the first Clásico of the season. What happened? Real Madrid won by two goals to one, but they had to come from behind to do that. It would be Barca who would open the scoring at Montjuic. Gundogan opening the scoring early. Barcelona a better side for much of this tie. That was until Jude Bellingham got a bit bored, thought I'd have a little shot from long range out, and he would score an absolute belter. It looked like that would be enough for a point apiece, but then later on, Carvajal plays it in, deflects off Modric into the path of Bellingham, who puts it home to see Real Madrid win by two goals to one. Chavi uh, spoke to Sid and Luis Garcia pitch side after the match. Chavi, listening to the guys in the studio and they're talking about a Clasico in which Barcelona played really, really well, dominated most of the game and in the end didn't win it. How, how do you explain that as a manager? Well, fully agree. Fully agree with them because I think we control the game. We dominate. We dominate uh, 60, 65 minutes really well. Uh, what we we uh, prepare and what we uh, thought before the game, uh, it was perfect. We control everything. But uh, you know, Real Madrid is like that. When you don't score the second one, so maybe they I think create three chances and they score two, and we create five, six, very clear. And uh, this is football. This is football. So uh, I think it's it's not fair today the result, but uh, we need to to improve. Uh, keep going, of course. This is a long uh, trip, but uh, we need to to be more more effective in the in the game, especially in in the classical. Is uh, I would have loved to to ask you a different question because we enjoyed so much the first 45 minutes. I think they were one of the best 45 minutes we've seen so far. The Barcelona it was perfect, no breaks at all. It was instruction in the second half to maybe sit down, wait a little bit. Because we, saw the we saw the team a little bit deeper. It was that the, the instruction, like, listen, hold on, let them come, and then go ahead in the second in, in, using the spaces. I think uh, they control the last 25, 20, 25 minutes. They control the game. This is, uh, you know, the Clásico, and this is Real Madrid. They have uh, uh, the players uh, for controlling the game, and and then we suffer, of course. But it was not our. Our uh, main, uh, our goal. Uh, the goal was uh, to control the game, to dominate. But this, this is Real Madrid, and in the moment that they dominate, they they score two chances. When we dominate 60-65 minutes, and at the end of the game, also we create uh, a big chances. So we we didn't score. So I think this is the the briefing of the of the game today. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, all the best. Fantastic first 45 minutes. And yeah, thank you so much. Very Thank good you. and keep going. All the best. A lot, lot to do. Thank you. Thank, thank you. See you, mate. So what that means, Real Madrid back to top of the table, level on points with Girona. A four-point gap now over Barcelona. Remember as well, significant in La Liga, it's head-to-head, -head, not goal difference. 
which is the difference come the end of the season if they finish level on points. We could talk tactics, we could talk setup. I'm not really... talking about Jude Bellingham. But that's, right, what, right, I can't, that, just... what? that's it. That was the difference today, wasn't it? Jude Bellingham. It's quite simple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the difference was the second half mentality from Real Madrid. I think the experience from Real Madrid. Bringing Luka Modric on, bringing Camavinga on, getting Bellingham forward, getting some control of the game. Allied to the fact he got on the front foot. And then you look at Barcelona, they're bringing on teenagers, very good teenagers, but then they're bringing on Oriol Romeo, who is just not in the same quality as the substitutes that, that, uh, that Real Madrid have. And then he, we were all set to sit in the studio and say, kind of touching the fact that Jude Bellingham had been quiet. Yeah. And then he produces, certainly the first goal, one of the best strikes I think you'll see all season. So that, yeah, that was the difference. And it's that confidence to have that strike, Ali. Mm. And then to be in the right place at the right time for the winning goal. Yeah, for the second goal, some people will say, oh, well, this guy's just getting lucky. Everything is falling his way. Well, yeah, maybe, but you have to be there in order for the ball to fall to you. And he does make an attempt to get on the end of it. He does make an attempt to make a run into the 18-yard box, whereas Oriol Romeo, to your point, doesn't track the run. So it's not his fault, Jude Bellingham, that the guy's not defending him. So he's, you know what he's going to do? Yeah, you give me a tapping, I'm going to take a tapping. But to your point about the first goal and how that changed the momentum of the game and the feeling of the game, up until that point, we had seen Barcelona dominating. We had seen Barcelona proactive and taking the game to Real Madrid. What we saw after that is the life was sucked out of the stadium. Barcelona had no longer had confidence. They got deeper and deeper and deeper. They started to protect. They were reacting to Real Madrid. And now you can sense that Real Madrid said, okay, we have been struggling up until this point. The momentum has shifted. We now have players in, in positions where they can make decisions and players with experience that you were alluding to, Craig. And guess what? When it came to winning time, and I think that's important here. When it came to winning time, Real Madrid was there to win the game, whereas Barcelona were protecting the result. Uh, let's get some more reaction now, pitch side. Uh, Sid and Luisa with us. Sid, you've been covering Real Madrid for over 20 years. You think of some of the big names that have joined during that period. Brazilian Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, Karim Benzema, Zinedine Zidane. Have any of them made this sort of impact in their first couple of months? No. Not, not like this. Not, not to this extent. It, it, it's really quite extraordinary. It's, it's reached the point where it's, where it's absurd, where it's ridiculous. You're watching it and you think, this can't keep on happening. This, this kind of almost cartoonish start to his Real Madrid career can't keep happening. Even in a game like today, when I thought Gavi was brilliant, and I thought Gavi was with, with Ferdinand, probably the best player on the pitch, and, and Jude was having difficulties, I think, getting control of the game and, and making an impact. And then with one moment, he produces a shot like that, which is, which is so kind of cartoonish as, as, to, be, as to be just completely off the scale but it's the regularity of this now this is 10 goals in 10 league games it's goals that win them games every time he's not scoring the fourth and fifth in a 5-0 win he's getting the one in a 1-0 win or the two as today in a 2-1 win and the equaliser it's every single week it's him being the decisive contributor so much so that when he doesn't score against Atletico and he doesn't score against Sevilla some people were saying, oh, well, maybe in the big games it's not going to happen. Well, it doesn't get bigger than this. You've just named a load of names, Dan, that, that, that he's now up there with. He's now got this moment. In the, in the interview that he did pre-game a couple of days ago, he said, I've watched this growing up, and there's all these great moments. There's all these kind of magical moments and these players who stand up and, and, and kind of make the class go about them. He's just done it. 
It's about the, uh, this, his character. We talk so much about your Bellingham. We kind of are waiting to see that, yeah, maybe he's not going to do it for the rest of the season or in the next game. Yeah, he's going to slow down, but he keeps going. He's going to score 38 goals. If yeah, it's, it's it, 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 like this, it, it could be. I think it's very impressive what he's done today without being involved in most of the times. So he was trying to find his spot, never found it. I think Gabi did so well on him. Every single time he was trying to get the ball, never let him turn around. But it was one chance in the second half when from nowhere he decided to I'm going to try my luck from here I'm going to try to to shoot this kind of frustration and you can see that he's just beautiful shot fantastic no chance for Ter Stegen to, to, to save it and once again when you score a goal like this Real Madrid side you know that something is coming we've seen it so many times and once again we've seen this movie over and over again we were on the stand thinking they're coming they're coming and yeah at the end that was the second one How's your day been, Luis? All good? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dan, uh, the game was finished like an hour ago. We've been breaking down uh, everything about the game, about Bellingham, uh, about what to do, what Xavi didn't do, or what Ancelotti did in the second half. I think it's time to get back to our work. Maybe next week start talking about something different because uh, Real Madrid won it once again. I'm getting tired of talking about Bellingham <laughs> and how good he is. Luis, <laughs> he's looked more distressed than Xavi did. Yeah. I am. But I tell you, this, and this might sound strange, but, but this Bellingham, this Bellingham phenomenon is going to become a problem. Barcelona have got players coming back in, like Lewandowski and Rafinha, they've got goals. Sid mentioned it, I've mentioned it, we've all mentioned it. It's going to dry up. <laughs> yeah, but then surely, you, right. you, like, Vinicius Jr. isn't going to continue this run of form, is he? He's going to step up. No, if it doesn't dry up, Real Madrid will probably win the league. Right. And could well win the Champions League with him having moments like that. If it does, though, and the form of Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. in particular continues, that's now a problem. Do you see where I'm coming from? It's, it's a great story at the moment, but it, it's... It's not feasible for this to continue at the same pace. I just can't see it happening. The law of averages tell you that a guy who had not been a goal scoring coming up to this season cannot continue this pace. So eventually, I know, sadly, it will dry up. But, but let me just say this. Vinny Jr. ends up becoming their most important player because he has to be the other guy. Right. I don't know about Rodrigo. I don't know about Jose. When we look at the other guy, it has to be Vinny Jr. And he has to be much better than what we have seen and certainly what we saw today. That, that's it, Luis. That's all right. You can go home now. Your evening is done. Thank you very much, uh, Sid, as well. Uh, much appreciated. Real Madrid then in the ascendancy as La Liga continues. Oh, do you want some fascinating facts before sure. we hand back? Yep. Jude Bellingham is the youngest player with a stoppage time game winner in La Liga edition of El Clasico. Much. Ever. No one. And no one younger has scored a winner. Look, look at that. Oh, I wish you could see their faces. They're fascinating. Uh, Real Madrid overturned a half-time deficit to win a La Liga game on the road in a Clasico for the first time since February 28th, 1965. Hey, hey. Oh, my God. I tell you what, we could win an Emmy now just <laughs> yep. for that graphic um, alone. Speaking of Emmy, we put in an Emmy award-winning program after the game. You can listen to it in its entirety over on a special podcast. But for now, Back to UK. 
Thanks so much, guys. And lots more La Liga still to come this weekend. Some good matchups tomorrow, including Athletic Club against Valencia and Atleti hosting Alaves with a win which would allow them to leapfrog Barcelona. We've got to make sure they do that, though. They have been in decent form soon, so make sure to keep up to date with everything La Liga-based, particularly El Clasico-based, over on our YouTube channel. You'll get all the latest from World Football there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Chelsea's struggles to score came back to bite them as they lost 2-0 to Brentford at Stamford Bridge with goals from Pinnock and Mbermo. Raheem Sterling maybe should have had a penalty in the 24th minute, but as it stands, Chelsea's signs of progress seem to have gone unfounded as this game finished without any points for them and they are now in the bottom half of the table in 11th place with a very difficult run of games ahead. Let's welcome in our former boy in blue in Frank LaBeouf. We'd seen signs of progress recently, Frank. What happened today? Well, many things didn't go well today, that's for sure. The game that they played, the, the lack of pace in, the, in their game, for sure. But they dominated the first half. It was hard. It takes two to tango. I think Brainford didn't want to play uh, offensively, and they were right, you know, they knew that, uh, that what they had to do to make sure that Chelsea couldn't score. They, they played like two lines, 5-5, five, five, and, uh, and didn't allow Chelsea to have too much uh, spaces. But football is full of details, and um, had Sterling would have had that penalty, it would have been a different story, maybe. Uh, Brentford would have to go uh, uh, to go out and to try to score a goal, and maybe it would have been easier for Chelsea. Having said that, you know, I don't try to defend the blue. It wasn't enough to beat Brentford and to be strong enough. The, again, the lack of strikers, the lack of ideas, the lack of pace, again, doesn't allow me to to be too nice to the to the Blues and to say that they have to 
work again and they looked like a mid-table team. That's it. Let's just go back to that 24th minute decision, the penalty that wasn't Shaka. You've seen it a few times now. You think it should have been. The penalty. No, no question about it. Uh, and it, it's, it's really hard to explain on, on a number of levels. One, I mean, this is Premier League defending. I mean, come on. How you get that wrong side and then the decision just to turn his shoulder and put it into the back of Raheem Sterling is, is simply ridiculous. So, awful defending to start with. And then the referee doesn't give it. And I sympathise. You, you see that. Yeah, maybe the referee's thinking is... It is a kind of coming together, shoulders, and Raheem Sterling goes over easily. But if you are sitting in a VR booth, and you have those, those what, two, three angles, and you do not see that as a penalty, I, 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 I'm not quite sure what you're doing. And, and again, does it come back to this? And we've seen it, and I know Stevie agrees with me because we've said this time and time again, this ridiculous um, notion about... Um, is it a clear and obvious error? Mm -hmm. uh, so the VAR doesn't intervene. I do not know what that means. I, I, it, that means nothing <laughs> other than let's give the VAR a get-out clause when he makes an absolute mistake. Yeah. And this was an absolute mistake, so I will not be surprised if that's what you hear time and time again um, around this because it, it's, it's bemusing. If there's something else that we are saying time and time again with this Chelsea side, Stevie, particularly with the money that was spent, it's that mm. they're not scoring the goals that they should be. Yeah, they're not. But, you know, listen, we've just been looking at the Classico and, and according to Xavi and everybody else, Barcelona were the better side. But when Real Madrid were on top, they scored goals. Mm. We could have been doing the same about Chelsea. I mean, the fact is that when they're on top, they can't score goals. And they had opportunities. You know, they should have had the penalty. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Cucurella should have scored. I mean, a free, a free volley from yeah. six yards. Hits it straight at the keeper. If it goes either side, it's a goal. Sterling had one, he blasts over the bar. Cole Palmer, when it was 1-0, could have got an equaliser. A, a simple... To me, it was a simple cutback, and somehow he almost whiffed on it. So, <laughs> I mean, Chelsea are just finding ways to... To lose games. Uh, but the crux of the matter is, if they had a centre-forward, they could score goals, they would have a lot more points than they actually do. I, I think the, the silver lining, or maybe two in, in, in this case, is that Nkunku, by all accounts, is, is back training, so we'll see how, that, how long it takes him to, to regain fitness, find himself back in the starting lineup, and find form. And I, I think... I think his presence transforms this team from a, from a goal-scoring goal perspective. We'll see. Um, secondly, and, and I, I thought Chelsea's football over the last couple of weeks has been a whole lot better than we saw in the first half, first half of the season. And so it, it's finally starting to click with Pochettino and this Chelsea team. But, but to that point, I was sitting watching this and thinking, how, uh, as I'm watching this game, I'm thinking, Chelsea are looking good, you know. I'm, there's, only one winner, there's only one winner here. Mm -hmm. And then more and more, as, as the minutes tick by, and you know how good Brentford are on the counter-attack, you're just thinking, Chelsea, but it's still nil-nil. And not only is it still nil-nil, Flecken hasn't really had a save to make. Chelsea have had chances, but put it straight at him. So it's not as though the Brentford keeper is standing on his head and, and keeping them in the game. So Chelsea, their football is good, dominating possession, looking comfortable. But then you think, but it's not really tra transforming to nothing. So point being where at least 
the football is improving, but this Chelsea team still has a long way to go to be where, at, at the very least, the, the money they spent warrants they should be. So there obviously is the hope, obviously, that things could change, Frank, when Nkunku does come back. But do they need to go shopping in January for a striker still? Oh, well, I would say yes, because Nkunku is not a real striker. Even if he showed the, the preseason that he could score goals and he's uh, really the guy that everybody's waiting for to be on the field and to, uh, and to, and to score goals. But uh, if they have an opportunity to get a real striker, yeah, go for it. But a real striker, not somebody who maybe will be a very good striker within five years. Not a real striker from now. That's, that's the key. That's the problem with, uh, with uh, Chelsea on top of some others. I would say that today, yeah, you can be able to not score goals and misses, uh, missing chances. And the Cucurella chance is crazy how he didn't even give the ball to Madueke to, uh, to score if he's not able to score a goal with his right foot. But the goal they conceded is the mistake between, uh, first with Cucurella, and then a big mistake between Madueke and Disazi on the second uh, the far, uh, far post. And that is about communication. It's about covering. It's about everything. And that's his lacking. Crazy. You, if you cannot score goals, at least in that game, you have to draw. You have to keep the clean sheet because it's possible. Because it's not complicated. They proved it in the first half, but they let it go the second half. So I agree with the guys, you know, they play better. Uh, maybe they were unlucky, but there are some, some stuff that I see that makes me think that they do everything to not win, and sometimes they do everything to lose the game. And that's really annoying. It might still feel as though there's a long way to go until January as well. When you see the Premier League calendar that's ahead for Chelsea, I mean, it is not easy viewing at all for Blues fans. How bad could it get, Shaka? Um, that, I'm not sure how to answer that in all honesty because I, in so many ways I, Chelsea finishing what 14th last season I think it's as bad as it's going to get so I, I don't think it's going to get worse than that um, it, so they've, they've hit rock bottom if, if you want something to, to smile about um, but it's not going to as I say it's not going to get I don't think we see the Chelsea that Again, their spending suggests they were where they should be, uh, but it's a, it's a work in progress. At this point, we, we've said and criticised Chelsea enough about their spending, how they've done it, and, and some, some, of the, some of these subpar performances. Um, right now, I, I think the only focus for Chelsea and their fans is how they've improved, at the very least, since well, last week or a month ago, whatever it is. But we, we, at no point are we going to see a Chelsea that... I think, threatens to get into the top four. We, we need to forget that this is not the Abramovich-Chelsea. That's, that's the tough part, because we're used to talking about Chelsea as contenders for the title, as top four at the very least. That Chelsea's gone. This is a new Chelsea, and we have to forget mm -hmm. about the old one, because this team is performing like a mid-table side, um, and right now it doesn't look as though anything's going to change because they are what they are. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. 
If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Harlan De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC. Eddie Nketiah scored his first Premier League hat-trick in a 5-0 win for Arsenal against basement boys Sheffield United. Vieira also won a late penalty in this one, which he converted before Tommy Yasu rounded off the scoring in stoppage time with a fine finish from a corner. This is how things are looking in the table right now. Arsenal just two points behind their North London neighbours Tottenham after 10 games played. Were you impressed today with what you saw from Arsenal, Frank? Uh, not at first, but uh, again, it's like for Chelsea, it takes two to tango and Sheffield, of course, didn't play. They, they were sitting at the back and it was hard for Arsenal to find the right spaces and everything. But it was all about, I would say, time and they did what they had to do. They were more superior. I'm very big fan of Eddie and Kecha. I mean, the guy doesn't make too much noises, but, uh, but he's a real talent. And, and feels the game, his control, his finishing on the first goal. Uh, the third goal is absolutely fantastic. Um, and they, they did what they had to do. They were very much superior. Uh, they were prof professionals. Don't forget that Sheffield um, uh, gave a hard time to Manchester City when they played uh, uh, against them. And, uh, and Arsenal were, they were very professional again. They, they did what they had to do. Uh, they did what we were expecting them to do. Well, uh, 10 out of 10, nothing, nothing much to say. And Ketia seems to divide so much opinion, Stevie. Mm. What do you think of him? Uh, like Frank, I, I like him. I think his work rate's fantastic. He's looking to run in behind. He looks to, he looks to combine with, with, with his teammates. I'm just not convinced that he's a goal scorer. That's, that's the only thing. He did score three great... Mm. I mean, the goal he scored today, the first goal was, was actually... A fantastic goal. The first touch was just top-notch and the finish was top-notch and the third one again top-notch but he has to be doing that every second game. So you're not sure he's a consistent goal scorer for Arsenal? Correct. He is not and, and to, to question I, I don't think opinion is that divided or should be that divided. He's not he's not a like-for-like -like replacement for Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus when fit will start 
100 times out of 100. But I think Eddie Nketiah has shown his worth this season, as he did last when Gabriel Jesus went down injured, that he is a good deputy. He's not going to rock the boat too much. He's not going to throw toys out the pram. But every team needs to have players that they can call on when needed, when injury strikes or whatever it may be. I think I didn't catch it. I showed himself to be that. Now, again, he's not, he's not, he's, he's not going to be the player that you build a team around. He's not going to be a, a like-for-like replacement for, for Gabriel Jesus. But you know that if Gabriel Jesus needs a rest, if you need somebody to come and, and lead the line against teams lower down in, in the league or play in, in the cup competitions, Eddie Nketiah will, will give you a shift and give you a shift um, without, without any complaint. And, and those players are, I, I think, um, under-recognised and, and at times invaluable. But we've just seen Gabriel Jesus' injury list there. Mm. Is Eddie Nketiah enough to be relied upon when Gabby Jesus is out consistently, Frank? Or do they need to go shopping themselves for a striker this January? Uh, it's a tough question. I would say after the game today, no, they don't need anybody. But it's true, he says Sheffield United. So um, you have to think about it. Oh, I don't think Gabriel Jesus is a fantasy striker as well. Uh, he, didn't, he doesn't score many, many goals. He's very good to holding the ball and, uh, and uh, finding spaces for the others. Uh, but he has never convinced me as a top, top uh, uh, striker as well. And it's why maybe he didn't stay at City and maybe didn't play a lot uh, and was uh, mainly replaced by others uh, at City. So I, I like the fact that players are very committed to what they do and accept the decisions of Arteta. When uh, Enketa scored the third goal, we saw Gabriel Jesus giving him a standing ovation. So he says a lot about the spirit that they all have uh, for, their, for their teammates, even if there is a big competition. But uh, I would say, you know, it's always tricky to, to add somebody where at some point, you know, you might create discomfort, I would say, in the dressing room because you want to have a better player. Would, you don't know how he's going to... Uh, put himself into the dressing room and how Nketiah or Gabriel Jesus will, uh, will, uh, will accept the fact that there is another competition. So it's a real balance that you have to find. Names that keep coming up though, Stevie, are Ivan Tony, Victor Ossiman. Is Mikel Arteta looking at that and thinking maybe I do need to go and get one of those players? You've only got to look at Manchester City. What do they do? they go and get the best striker on the planet because they've got the money and they can and they can, they can attract players. And Arsenal, if they want to win the Premier League consistently, if they want to win the Champions League and then be consistent in that as well, then you have to always look to, 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 to better your team and to bring, if another Haaland comes along and get him in your team, then you do it. And if it means that Jesus isn't happy or Enketia or anybody else isn't happy. That's just the way the game is. And if you're a manager and you want your team to be the best it can be, if a player becomes available in any position, any position that's better than the one you have, then you have to get them. 
Meanwhile, at Molyneux, we saw Wolves against Newcastle in a game that finished 2-2. Twice, Newcastle went ahead through Callum Wilson. Twice, Wolves replied through Mario Lamina and He Chan Wang. Wilson's second came from the spot, though. It was a bit of a controversial penalty. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, Shaka, overall, what was your thoughts on this clash? Um, I, I thought it was a really good game of football. I, I thought both teams equipped themselves fantastically well. And, and in the end, I, I think just down to the football, a, a draw is about a fair result. Um, that being said, if you're Wolves, you feel a little bit hard done by and I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say the, the error wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't grave or serious. What was the error? Wasn't enough to overturn. But tr- truth be told, I'm, I'm, I, even as biased as, as I am, around this. I, I'm not sure why the VR didn't, didn't overturn that penalty when it was given. And again, I sympathise with the referee at first look. I thought it was a penalty. But then, the, as, as you see it, as you see the replay, and, and, and this call stood, I, 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 I thought, I thought, I, I, I'm really not, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, that's, that's not a penalty. That's not a penalty. You know, you touched huh. upon it. You touched upon it earlier, Shaka, when you were talking about the cl- the clear and obvious clear being and obvious. being a bit of a get out clause for everybody. Because VAR should be all about getting the right decision. Never mind whether it was clear and obvious, but get the right decision. And every single time you look at the replay, the more you look at it, <laughs> the clearer it becomes that there's no contact. And so how they don't ask the referee to go and have a look, because he's got one look, the referee, in real time, and that's a tough decision. And it does look like a penalty. So get him to the VAR. Let the referee decide again. And let him decide whether he got it right or wrong. Because nobody's going to have a problem with that. But for some reason, if VAR decides that it's not clear and obvious, then the referee's decision stands. That can't be right. Frank? It's a joke, really. I'm upset about that. And we talk about that almost every week, about uh, unprofessional decision from referees. We have to say the truth. They know nothing about football. I mean, first, I don't sympathize like uh, Shaka, because Shaka Shaka is maybe more uh, diplomatic than I am. I'm not. With Mr. Taylor, just don't say anything if you're not sure. You don't have to. You know, like that, we don't have to see if you made an obvious error after. So, and second, where were the guy? In the restrooms, at the bar, but for sure not behind the screen, uh, in front of the screen, uh, in the bar. Because that's absolutely insane. That's crazy. How can you give a a penalty where you exactly see that the chair is falling before being touched, like one doesn't touch him? Yeah, maybe at first you don't, but there is a technical possibility. It's called VAR. And use it. And use it carefully (laughs) because that's going to help you. But they don't know how to use it because they know nothing about football. Those people should be punished because (laughs) there are too much interest in those results. And Mr. Taylor at first should have said nothing. And the people at the VAR should be kicked out of the VAR forever because they know Nothing about football. Newcastle could have lost this game, Shaka. They lost in the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund. Do you think they're going to struggle this season to recreate what they did last season? 
Um, to recreate what they did last season, yes. Um, because of, of having to compete in the Champions League, how that will stretch the squad. Um, also, you look at, at, at the others around them, uh, City are, are still every bit as good. Uh, Arsenal can continue to, to exceed even expectations around last season. Spurs have been simply phenomenal, which we continue to talk about. Um, so you look at, at, at the, the chasing pack and, 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 and you wonder how does European football affect them? How does European football affect Brighton? Or Liverpool? Liverpool probably not, given the kind of changes we've seen uh, Jurgen Klopp make uh, to, to his starting 11s. So I, I, I think right now, given the group stage, how tough it is, Given how Newcastle have struggled after Champions League games, top four maybe just outside their reach. But I still feel that kind of... I, listen, as a Newcastle fan, I'm all right with it. If, if Newcastle finished fifth or sixth, I'm okay with it. Because I think that process of Newcastle being able to compete on all those different fronts is still relatively new. Well... It's been a long time since Newcastle's had to do that, and they're still building a squad um, to, to see them compete. So I'm, I'm, I don't expect the kind of Premier League finish that we saw last season, but as long as they're staying touching distance in the top four, I'm, I'm happy with the progress. You, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need a little bit of luck as well. You know, when you're playing away in, in Europe in, in the midweek, if you get lucky with your fixtures, you get a home game at the weekend, which means you get another night at home, another night in your own bed, and it turns out the way it did for Arsenal against Sheffield United. If you get a little bit of luck with the fixtures, then you can cope with both. But when you play away in Europe and then you come home and you have to go away again, it's tough. And you could see it in the legs of Newcastle today. There was nothing between these two sides. And let's be honest, Wolves have struggled quite a bit this season. And so the fact that Newcastle, as good as they were last season, produced what they did today tells you that Europe, and a wee bit of luck might help, but Europe is really going to hurt them as far as top four is concerned. Especially with players getting injured in Europe as well, because that's yeah. not ever going to help either, is it? OK, big one tomorrow in the Premier League. It's the Manchester derby. Not too many, giving Manchester United much of a chance, although Gab does what have to be a little bit different. Everybody going for a Man City win in this one. However, maybe there is a buoyant mood for Manchester United with what better we saw from the likes of Andre Onana and Harry Maguire against Copenhagen. This is how the game ended in Europe midweek. Is something like this something they can build on, Stevie, going into this Manchester? Well, absolutely. Listen, you're right. If you're not if you're not buoyed by winning a game the way they won this at home with the crowd behind them and the last second save and the whole thing, if you're not buoyed and you don't come in the next day with a skip in your step, then there's something wrong with you. But unfortunately, the harsh reality is when that whistle goes against Manchester City, you figure out pretty quickly that it's not Copenhagen you're playing against, it's the European champions mm -hmm. and the Premier League champions. So yes, that will last for a certain period, but it depends on how they start against City. It depends, it depends on what mood City's in. You know, I guess I could, I'm pretty confident that this really is not about Man United being buoyed. This is about Man City. If Man City turn up and they're sharp and they're at it and they're after it, 
then regardless of how Boyd Man United are, it isn't going to make any difference. Frank, do you give Manchester United any hope? Yes, because of Onana. Because I always, um, you know, highly uh, rated the, him, sorry, when he was playing for Ajax and uh, last year when he was even at Inter Milan. I, I thought he was one of the best goalkeeper in the world uh, and with Mike Menia as well in, in Milan AC. Uh, definitely the best uh, in the Serie A. And when I saw him signing for Manchester United, I said, well, that's a good signing because he's a real good goalkeeper. He was struggling with confidence since the beginning of the season. The fact that he saved a penalty going to boost him like crazy. And maybe, maybe he can be the, the saver for Manchester United. But I'm with Steve. It's going to be very, very hard for them. And they're not facing Copenhagen for sure. So maybe if Onana makes like three, four saves uh, uh, tomorrow, maybe United can have a good surprise. It's a game that there'll be a lot of talk about on the next edition of the show. Before we do get to that, though, Shaco. Oh, actually, we'll wait to hear more on that later. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll reserve Shaka's thoughts for this one. But tomorrow <laughs> they'll be looking back on it and talking all about it. The Manchester derby coming off tomorrow. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What a day it was for Bayern Munich, an 8-0 win over Darmstadt. That included a Harry Kane hat-trick, what, three red cards in the first half for the first time in Bundesliga history. Manuel Neuer's also back after 350 days out. Joshua Kimmich got one of those red cards and will not be available next week for De Classica. OK, let's take a look at that incident because you're saying absolutely no problem with Neuer's pass to Kimmich there. Yeah. OK, what about you, Frank Leboff? Oh, I think absolutely the contrary of Shaka, with all due respect. But uh, I think it's, uh, it's complicated for Kimmich to give the ball back to Neuer because the, the guy in blue was almost, you know, trying to get, to get the ball. Then he has no chances to give to the two others on the, on the side. So he's stuck. He's stuck with the ball and he make yeah, he makes a bad control, but he, he hasn't got any solution but you know trying to uh, take on the players where the player is just behind him. So I would have been Neuer, I would have decided to not give him the ball because it's too dangerous. Why do you want to create a danger when you are facing the the, the game where your player is gonna be um, not seeing anything from the game. It doesn't bring anything. 
He has to give you the ball back, so he's completely useless. So why do you want to give him the ball? Just try to find somebody further up the, the field, because otherwise it's, a, it's too much risk again. Checker. I disagree. I, I, think, I think there's enough space to know his right that you can put it to, to his right. And, and, and keep in mind here, we're talking about, okay, first, first game back after injury, granted. After a year. But we're still talking about the goalkeeper who has defined this rule of playing the ball with, with your feet. I, I, and again, first time we've seen him back. But if he's anything like the old Manuel Neuer, that's just par for the course. Put it, put it to his right. He, he deals with that uh, all Shaka, day, every Shaka, single day. I'm sorry, Shaka. Sorry, Shaka, to cut you off. I just want to know. So, you are, you are Neuer, yeah. and I'm Kimmich. You give me the ball, I give you the ball back. It's what you're saying. A little bit on the right side. Yeah. What's the point to give me the ball if I give you the ball back? Well, that, that's, how, that, that's, that's how they play. That's how Bayern play. They invite that pressure. It comes back, it comes back to Manuel Neuer. He goes right or left, whatever he decides to do. All of a sudden, downside have, what, three or four outside your box. And now you have those overloads that, that Bayern look for. That's why they play the ball out of the, out of the back. I, that, that's, that's what they do. And, that's, and again... Maybe it's because it's his first game back that, that Kimmich is a little, a little apprehensive himself. But ordinarily, that's exactly this, why Neuer's there. This is definitely a generation thing. Because when we all played, you didn't play that ball. Mm. Right? But the way the game's played now, we see that ball played every single time we turn a game on the television. Because that's what they're told to do. You either give it to the guy in the middle or you give it to one of the wide guys. Because that's the way they want to play the game now. So the fact that Neuer plays that ball straight away tells you that he's not doing anything wrong. It's now, now the onus is on Kimmich. And that's why it's Kimmich's fault and not Neuer's fault. You will see that pass every single time you turn your TV on or every time you go to a game, you'll see a goalkeeper roll that ball up the middle. And as I said... It's a generational thing because when the three of us played, you didn't play that ball. I wasn't playing. It was that. absolutely the ball you didn't play. But unfortunately, in today's game, like a lot of things that they do, you take a gamble. Meanwhile, at the other end, Paul Gowley will not be happy uh, to see this back. But Harry Kane will because, as mentioned, he's been trying to do this for a while and today he pulled it off. How hard is it to do that? Bad checker. Listen, first of all... Yeah, again, it's easier to do. Look at this, this, this dips under the crossbar with inches to spare. That's how exact this finish is. So, on the one hand, well, yeah, we, we can look at the goalkeeper and we could question or laugh about his positioning. Take nothing away from, from Harry Kane's finish. <laughs> he's just completely taking the goalkeeper out of this. I was super for Harry Kane. I was doing such a good job of it as well. <laughs> You know, did the, do you think the goalkeeper thought, because it wasn't like it broke down straight to Harry Kane. Yeah. Bayern had the ball. Do you think the goalie might have thought, it's probably a good idea if I get back in my box here because they've got the yeah, ball. He's, he's, thinking, <laughs> he's, thinking we he's thinking we're overloaded. We're, we're a man yeah, down. We're, we're nine playing against their ten. I'm playing a sweeper keeper, so he's staying high up. That's what it is. Aye, right. Well done, Harry Kane. That's Good my right. takeaway from all of this. Yeah, well done, Harry Kane. That will do it for the latest edition. Stick around. City, These are the right. extra time questions coming up right now.
Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. I bet there's no Middlesbrough questions in there. You just wait. Oh, don't start goalkeepers union. <laughs> absolutely wearing that badge today. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Steve. Welcome. Uh, Shaka Hislop, Stevie Nicol and Frank Leboff all with us. Let's get started with a question about, well, we knew this one would be in Jude Bellingham. Yeah, Is Jude Bellingham so good that he overrides Real Madrid's need for a world-class striker? As of right now, yes. Stevie's shaking his head. Not in the long term. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, they need... You can, they, if you're relying on a central midfielder, albeit a, a great one like Bellingham, to be your top scorer and your, and your difference maker for a whole season, then you're asking for too much. So, yeah, how about you get him some help and get yourself a proper centre forward? Because Vinny Jr. is way better coming from that left-hand side, so yeah, you need a centre forward. I, 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 I fully agree with, with everything Steve says, says there. The, the thing is, I, I, I don't know, you kind of run out of things to say about Jude Bellingham. No. <laughs> we, we really have, you know what I mean? I, I, who, who could have seen? But to, to that point, after three games, we said, well, Real Madrid really need a striker. Jude Bellingham can't keep going like this. After four games, Real need a striker. <laughs> you can't keep going like this. And we're 13 games in. Goodness me, what, what else can we say about this man? Yeah, no, the good news was tonight we didn't have to talk about him. I mean, we don't say that in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was left to Dan and the guys who yeah. were covering the game. But honestly, we feel like we're running out of words for everything that he's doing. OK, Shaka, have you had a goal scored between your legs, like what Bellingham did to Ter Stegen for the game-winning goal? That happens all the time. How many? Is that what you mean? <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> that happens all the time. How many times? A lot. A lot. <laughs> Listen, I, I think... I think Good players go for it. Good players go for it and can do it. You know, it's, it's not like back in the playground where, you know, let me know, disparage anybody from playgrounds. Keep doing what you're doing. But good, good strikers know that that's how goalkeepers set, that there's a small enough or big enough space for the ball to fit through. And they can do it. No question they can do it. Okay. And I've, I've experienced that many a time. Right. Who was more sad watching Bellingham during today's Classico match? Mick Jagger or Stevie and all Liverpool fans wondering what could have been if Bellingham had signed with the Reds? Oh. Well, I have to be very honest, that never crossed my mind. So you're totally satisfied? Aye. I know who was the saddest man in Catalonia. I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll tell you what, you know who didn't get any satisfaction? Rolling Stones. <laughs> Did you see their face when the second one went in? Because before the game, they played the music and Barcelona score, like, they're all like, aren't they? Like, yes. And then they, they come out straight to them after Billy and got the second one and they were like that. You know why, Stevie? Because you can't always get what you want. Oh, God. <laughs> You know who's the saddest man? You know who's the saddest man in Catalonia? Luis. Luis Garcia. Luis. Hi, Luis. <laughs> when he said to Shabby, when Shabby's walking up, that was a good first time. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, God. He almost was hugging Shabby. Shabby 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 was hugging Shabby. On our YouTube oh, channel, God. Luis Garcia's reaction. Oh, All right, heck. for you, Frankie, biggest surprise: Jude Bellingham or Tottenham? Oh, uh, I would say Tottenham. 
Uh, I was about to bet that Jude Bellingham would do great because he's a fantastic player and it wasn't a surprise. It's just a confirmation of his talent. But to see Tottenham after so many years struggling, not having any idea how to control or lead the game, to see what Postecoglou uh, uh, is capable or was capable of doing with almost, almost the same player, even a lesser quality team because Kane left, it's absolutely amazing and, and, and a big surprise and a, and a pleasant one because the way they play is, is very pleasant to watch. Okay, for all, Modric, Kate, oh, did you want to say something on that? No, no, I'm right. 100% with Frankie. For all, Modric came on and made a big impact on today's game. Where would you rank him all time at Madrid? 500 appearances at the club plus many more trophies. See, that's an impossible question. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, Madrid have had so many unbelievably good mm -hmm. players. He's up there, though, isn't he, with all with, with yeah, the other? Yeah, but, well, but, yeah, but that's, a, that's, a, big, that's a big old pool. To, to try and put one above the others is yeah. nigh on impossible. It's nigh on impossible. But his name would not be on the list. All you've huh? got to say is he's one of the greatest midfielders they've ever had. Yeah. That's, that's all you need to say. And then, when you think of all the midfielders they've had, that tells you how good he is. As opposed to trying to put him on a list. We go, I'll, go, I'll go with one of the greatest midfielders of a generation. I, I think that does, that does him and, and all the great midfielders that have played for Real Madrid full justice. I, I, it's really difficult to compare, and we keep seeing this, how do you compare what he's doing now with what Zinedine Zidane did. You know, it, it's just, it, in, in many ways, it, it really is apples and oranges. Does Barcelona have the best under-20 team in Europe? Uh, Can they emulate the Messi, Xavi, and Iniesta era years from now? I, I don't know. Let, let's keep in mind that I, I thought um, Xavi was at his best for Barcelona later on, in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, when I, I think he grew into the team that Pep Guardiola built and, and, and how they played. So while it's, it's easy to, to sit here and, and look at all these players at 22 and 23 and 16 in the, in the case of Laminia Mal and, and say, well, they're, they're building for the future, it, 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 it's an inexact science. That just because these players are this good now doesn't mean that they're going to keep being this good, that they're going to fit whoever the manager is and, and whatever the new challenge is. Um, so it's... Uh, again, that's not a fair comparison at all. Frank, what's the percentage chance Chelsea qualifies for Europe next season? Fair play trophy? What do you mean, fair play? None. If they win the fair play trophy? <laughs> not, yeah. Zero percent? Yeah, yeah, I say none, you know. I, I mean, you have to be realistic. Um, um, you, you have to rebuild many, many things. Um, find a way to win games and uh, and um, we thought they got the solution but uh, we, we we saw that against a very defensive uh, opponent they, they struggled today I, I guess they're gonna struggle maybe less against the Tottenham Manchester City because they will have uh, they will have spaces but the two average right now for me to consider that they can get into Europe next season which is a absolutely dramatic for me because Chelsea needs to be in Europe in order to, con to, uh, 
to um, to get some strikers, a top top striker. Otherwise, top players won't come to Chelsea. That's the the, the big issue for 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 the for for that that big club. If they don't qualify for Europe, they won't get the best player. It was the problem for Manchester United and Arsenal for like, like almost a decade. That's it is the problem that Chelsea is facing right now. What's what's Europe? Top six, top seven? Top six. The six? Six. Depending on how the cups and stuff work out, it could be seven. Right. But even then, you don't fancy them, do you? I mean, seven. there's only there's only Brentford that are ahead of them that you think they may be better than come, come the rest of the season. What if they get a top striker in January? Then they might get in the top seven. But without it, no chance. For the boys, we are 10 matches into the Premier League season and the top two spots are held by the teams from North London with Liverpool and Man City right there with them. Could this wind up being a four-team race from wire to wire? Yes. A four-horse race. I, 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 think, those, I think those four are, are playing by far the best football in, in, in the league. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't see anybody else kind of disrupting that, in all honesty. Who's outside of that top four that's challenging? But all four staying in it, all the way through. Three of them uh, definitely are. I mean, the big question is what does staying in it really mean? At, at points last season, City were eight points off Arsenal. And all of a sudden, you know, eight points eight points off, off, off the leaders in, in February, you're thinking, well, you're not really in the race. And all of a sudden, City just kind of being City. Yeah, but that's City, though, isn't it? If Tottenham, if Tottenham get to that stage when they're eight or nine points behind, then you don't, they're not getting back. Whereas you never, we never ever wrote City off. Yeah. So what's I think the answer? I think it's definitely three. Tottenham, I don't think we can, I don't think any of us can hang our hat on Tottenham and say that they're going to be in it to the end of the season because they don't have a big enough squad. They're a couple of injuries away from from struggling. You know, Manis, for example, if Madison goes down, who's who's going to create for Tottenham? They don't have anybody else. If Son goes down, who's going to be scoring the goals? Because Richarlison isn't scoring goals. In fact, he's probably, Richarlison's probably the only problem they have because it seems like they're trying to fit him in, but he's not producing. And he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be, like we were talking to Eddie and Ketty earlier on about, you know, he's, he's He's quite happy to be there. He'll play when you want him to play, and if he's not playing, he understands. I don't think Richarlison's that way. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I think three out of four. I'll double down on something Frank touched on earlier. Postacoglu has been great. It's past. Oh, no he, he really has. He really has been good for them, and it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. Okay, thanks so much for sending in all of your questions. Make sure to join the crew tomorrow and they'll be looking back on the Manchester Derby right here on ESPN FC.